Lalana, I think it is an absolute understatement to say we've been thrilled for you to host this for us today. We received over 100 registrations, I think, right as we opened them, which really goes to show all of us have been stoked to figure out how to make coaching work for ourselves. So uh, just, I think, a big thank you from all of us for uh, making this happen for us. For those of you, for those of you who are uh, not acquainted with Lalana, let me introduce you to the many, many hats she dons. Lalana is an entrepreneur who co-founded Printo, a printing services company uh, that works across six cities in India. She is a labor rights advocate who serves on the board of the NGO Cividep. Lalana is a leadership consultant, and of course, she's an exec coach with us at Leap. Today, she's going to be taking us through all of the key themes of coaching, primarily why it enables high performance, why it is an investment in yourself, and how to make it work for you. We will then open the floor for questions. So it would be super great if all of you can keep writing your questions in the chat box, and Lalana will keep picking them up. Could not be more excited to hand this over to you, Lalana. So take it away. Thank you, Sindhija. Hello, everyone. I'm also really excited to be here. And I hope all of you can hear me clearly. And if you think I'm going too fast or not audible enough for any reason, do let us know through chat and we'll correct that. Okay, great. So uh, welcome. I'm not going to be talking too much, perhaps about 15 to 20 minutes, uh, give you a overall view of coaching. And then we'll have question and answers. Hopefully we can go a little bit deeper during that session. So the four topics I'm gonna to cover today in, in my talk is uh, how coaching helps everyone, not just executive leaders, not uh, just people who are facing problems, but anyone uh, it can help, right? And uh, maybe look at some coaching myths because I think there are a lot of myths surrounding coaching. So we'll look at some of those. Um, how to choose the right coach for yourself. That's another uh, topic I'll cover. And the last one is how can you measure the impact of coaching on yourself? Um, I should say that, of course, it's not a very quantitative measure, uh, which is a little hard to expect with something like coaching. But uh, nevertheless, let's look at a few parameters by which you can measure the impact of coaching. All right. Okay, so let me get straight into how coaching helps. Um, and I think some of you might have experienced it or might already know this, but coaching helps in six ways. Uh, the first way is it, it allows you to see yourself more clearly. Uh, we all have blind spots with respect to ourselves as well as with people that we work closely with. Um, and coaching does both. It, helps you see yourself clearly. It also helps you see the people that you're working with a little better, right? Um, and there is plenty of research that shows that uh, we do not know ourselves best. In fact, it's probably our coworkers, our close colleagues and best friends that know us much better. And if you do engage with a coach, uh, it, it, a coach is trained to uh, get to know you as quickly as possible. Of course, your part would be to reveal yourself to your coach. Um, but of course, the coach will ask you the relevant questions that allows you to be known to her or him and then help you with that, right? So those are the first two, which is get to know yourself better and get to know others that you work with or uh, 
you know, or have relations with, I don't mean intimate relations, but more work-related relations with uh, better, all right? Um, the coach will also help you uh, think about and learn new ways of responding to situations. So all of us get into patterns of responses, feelings, thoughts uh, that we find a little hard to get out of. And especially if they worked for us in the, uh, in the past, it's unlikely that you will try something new suddenly. So a coach will help uh, create that little ripple in, in your flow so as to think differently, right? Um, the coach is also supposed to leverage on your existing strengths. Uh, if a coach only starts pointing out, this is what you're doing wrong, this is what you need to correct, uh, then that's going to drain a lot of your energy. And that's not ideally what a coach should do. So a coach would leverage on your strengths and help you work from that point of view. Uh, the coach will help you build more productive relationships. And this is not just limited to work, but even in terms of building your network, in terms of interacting with strangers, with high stake uh, you know, conversations, all of that, uh, that's where the coach is also going to help you have much, much more productive interactions. And finally, uh, if you have a goal in mind, if there is something that you want to achieve, a coach should help you achieve that as well. Yes, so I hope the six areas are clear. The first two are get to know yourself and others better, uh, to learn new ways to respond in various situations, to leverage your existing strengths, uh, to build stronger and better relationships, and finally to achieve what you want to achieve. Right? So that's how coaching would help. Um, I'm now going to move to the next topic about coaching myths, okay? And uh, if you're on camera, show me some expression to tell me what you feel about the particular myth that I read out, okay? So um, the first myth I've put, it's not in any particular order, it's not in any order of priority, but the first myth I've put down is that a coach must be from the same industry or should have the same experience as me, yeah? Um, now, a lot of us do feel that I'm from technology or I'm from retail or I'm from learning and development. And if the coach is not from that same industry, how is he or she going to help me, right? But uh, there is, this is a myth because in fact, uh, a coach from the same industry might even have uh, a, very, a slightly narrower approach to solving problems in that particular industry because he or she is gonna be basing uh, a lot of her suggestions on her experience, right? Um, not that a coach is supposed to suggest, but there will be, there's bound to be a slight bias, right? Uh, based on the industry that she's been in, the successes that she's had or the failures that she's faced, right? Um, and perhaps to avoid that, it's actually recommended that you get a coach from uh, not the same background. A coach is trained to deal with any kind of background and you're not going to a coach to improve your functional skills. That's, that's what a mentor does, not a coach. So if you're going to improve your functional skills, there are many other ways to do that. Uh, the coach is going to help you more with your, uh, your behavioral skills, as we mentioned, the six areas that the coach would focus on, right? So yes, so this is one myth. The second myth would be, I only need a coach if I'm facing problems at work. 
that's also a myth, right? There are many people who are immensely successful. They are on an upward trend with respect to their career. Uh, and it's a great idea to get in a coach to just uh, fine tune your, your skills, to, to make sure that you're not blindsided suddenly uh, by certain things that come your way uh, and, and help you focus on moving further along that path, right? And also the coach is not just gonna help you further along your career path. Uh, he or she is supposed to bring in this holistic view for you, uh, which allows you not only to go deeper or higher, but also broader. So that's also going to be what a coach does for you, right? Um, there's also uh, a myth that you have to have a definite goal to work on before you get a coach. It does help, I'm not denying that. It's really helpful if you have a goal, uh, but sometimes it's also useful uh, if, you, if you have a feeling that there's something more I want to work on, there's a purpose that I want to define for myself, I just don't know what it is. Uh, it's not a problem to get a coach on uh, for even something like that, right? And I would like to add another myth here that you need a minimum number of sessions in order to experience uh, any worth or value from the coaching engagement. Uh, which is not true there. Uh, you can even experience quite a bit of uh, a significant, uh, I wouldn't say change, but insight into yourself with even one coaching session. Uh, on the other hand, there's also the myth that uh, I should be able to see significant change after every coaching session, or I should have a clear action plan after every coaching session. That's also a myth. Sometimes uh, the coach might need to help you discover a lot of what you want to achieve from the coaching. And that could take a session or two. So both sides can be myths, right? That uh, you need many more sessions in order to see change or that in every session you should be able to see significant change, right? Um, the, the fourth myth I would say is that uh, everyone is coachable. <laughs> Now, it sounds like it's true, and yes, it is true, but uh, there's a joke here, uh, if, I don't know if you heard this joke, which says, um, how many people does it take to change a light bulb? Has anyone heard this joke? Yes, you have, okay, great, <laughs> all right. And the answer there is only one, but the light bulb should want to be changed. Okay, and this is very true for anything related to coaching and therapy, that coaching works only if you want it to work. If you come in with uh, openness to discover yourself, to discover things about you which might make you uncomfortable, which require you to change a little bit or significantly. Uh, and if that's not something you're open to, then coaching is not going to work, right? So everyone is not coachable unless they want, uh, they come in with the full intention to change and to be open to discovering things about themselves. Um, and on the other side, there's the myth that only senior people deserve coaches, which is not true at all. Coaching can start at any level. You might be a student, you could be fresh into your career uh, journey. It, it could be at any point in your career and uh, coaching is definitely useful uh, at any point. Right? Uh, the fifth myth is that a coach will give me advice. Now, as coaches, we are trained not to give suggestions, recommendations, or advice. In fact, for some of you, it might even be a little annoying 
because you will go into a coaching uh, conversation and you'll find that the coach is just asking a lot of questions. Even if you ask the coach something like, tell me what I should do in this case, the coach will say, you know, will not answer the question directly and will ask you more questions to discover and help you get to a solution rather than giving you the solution him or herself. So it can be a little frustrating if, if it's something that you haven't uh, been told about upfront that this is how coaching goes. Uh, but at the same time, I'm going to say that when, uh, when pushed or when, when required, yes, a, a coach can make a tentative recommendation, a tentative suggestion, uh, but he or she should be very willing for you to say, no, that's not gonna work for me. Uh, and you know, and back, back up a little bit and say, okay, then let's look at other options, right? Do remember a coach is also human uh, and he or she won't have like a whole smorgasbord of uh, suggestions to offer. It's, uh, you know, he or she is also sort of trying to find out what would work for you and that's done best through inquiry. Uh, and that's what the coach would do. Um, the sixth myth that I would like to talk about is Many people think, look, I already have a mentor at work. Do I really need a coach? Okay. Uh, and that's where we need to make the differentiation between mentors and coaches. As I mentioned earlier, a mentor would uh, be much more focused on your functional capabilities, will probably give you much, a lot of advice around how to deal with situations at work, which he or she might also be connected with. Uh, a mentor can also act as a sponsor in many ways. They are invested in your career growth as well. Sometimes, not always, right? Uh, so there's quite a bit of difference. And, and a coach comes from a completely different angle. A coach is focusing more on your being rather than your doing, uh, helping you discover more about yourself uh, rather than you know, sharpening your skills at work, yes? So that's, that's the difference. Um, and final myth I want to talk about is that uh, there is a feeling that I should either stick with just one coach all the time, um, because now that that person knows me, then better to stay with that coach. Uh, and there's another myth which says that you must have multiple coaches. Both of them are myths. It has, you have to go with what's comfortable for you. Um, if, if you do find that you know, you're still getting a lot of value from your one coach, of course, continue that relationship for as much. However, be careful that you're not becoming dependent on using this coach just as a sounding board and there's nothing really happening for you. You understand? So there are some coaches who are very uh, good at listening and, and you can just pour out everything that's going on with you uh, to that coach. Uh, but eventually, if there's nothing that's changing for you, then it's, uh, it's a bit of a waste of time for both you and the coach. And you might sometimes uh, find the coach might tell you that, I think our next session, we should start closing up this relationship. And, uh, and that's absolutely fair, because, uh, you know, it's, it's not... Uh, it's not right for you to just go on endlessly just pouring out your woes. It, you do need to experience some uh, changes happening, right? So this is not your fault or the coaches. Uh, it's just sometimes you get into a relationship like that. It is up to the coach to start bringing in uh, the change at that point. Okay, uh, so those are the seven myths of coaching. There might be many, many more, which I haven't listed out because there isn't enough time and I'm sure it can come up in the question answers. Let me move to uh, choosing the right coach. And here 
it's, uh, it's not rocket science. It's a bit of a science and an art, I'm going to say. So it is good if you uh, find a coach whose style, working style matches yours. Uh, and when I say working style, there are a bunch of things to look out for. Uh, something as simple as the speed at which the coach talks, right? You might be slower or faster. And eventually, while it might all be fine in the chemistry meeting, uh, over time, you might find yourself getting a little impatient if the coach is much slower than you, uh, or you might find yourself having to catch up if the coach is going at a speed which you're not comfortable with. So look out for something like that. Look out for language, vocabulary. Um, look out for judgmental tones, uh, not, not just towards you, but even if while the coach is sharing his or her experiences from the past, and uh, share something about previous clients. Of course, that's another thing. Uh, confidentiality is very, very important. If you find that the coach mentions any client's name or company that they worked in, of course, they're allowed to say uh, things like, I was coaching a client from such and such industry, uh, maybe even mention the gender, that's okay. But if they mention anything that gives you a clue as to who that client was or which company they're from, that is an absolute no-no, okay? So uh, you watch out for whether confidentiality is being broken, whether there's any judgmental tone being used with respect to their previous clients or even to other coaches, that's also not right. Um, and uh, if, if what would be best in a chemistry meeting is to ask the coach open-ended questions about their experiences from the past. Now, especially if you know, for example, that I need help with perhaps uh, getting a job, for example, right? Um, and so ask your coach, can you tell me about your experiences with other clients from the past whom you've helped get uh, find a job? Uh, what was the methodology you used? Um, that's something that I'd like to know. Be careful that you don't ask leading questions in the chemistry meeting, things like, would you be using tools to help me discover things about myself, some instruments, questionnaires? Because if you ask a question like, would you do this? Even if the coach is not intending to lie or, or anything of the sort, the natural tendency is to say, sure, I'll do that for you if that's what you want, right? That may not actually be the coach's style and you might find that he or she gets a little uncomfortable while using instruments or tools uh, if that's not their natural style, right? So avoid asking leading questions where the coach merely has to say, sure, I can do that. Yes, I can do that. Uh, or no, I don't do that or something like that. But uh, ask more open-ended questions to discover what they have actually done in the past. This is very useful even when interviewing candidates. So, you know, it's a, it's a standard uh, STAR methodology as we call it. Find out about the situation, task, action, and result by asking open-ended questions, all right? Okay, great. So that's pretty much it about how to, you know, find the best coach for yourself. Look out for subtle things like language, um, you know, speed of talking, uh, words used, are they more process oriented or uh, go with the flow, things like that. Um, also look out for uh, judgmental tones, uh, ask open-ended questions, and definitely make sure that, uh, you know, confidentiality is being adhered to. Uh, on this note, I also want to mention that there was a question which had come up before the session, which said, um, you know, do I have to reveal everything about myself to my coach? Um, and the answer here is very uh, simple, which is do what you're most comfortable with. 
Now, remember the coaches have to maintain confidentiality. This is something that they have pledged to. So uh, whatever you share with them uh, is really up to you, how comfortable you are, okay? Uh, having said that, of course, in the chemistry meeting, you don't have to share everything. There, it's more you evaluating whether this coach is right for you, but both ways. Even the coach is going to think about, am I going to be able to go further with this client or not? Um, and so it's, it's a good idea to uh, maybe not reveal everything in the chemistry meeting, but what do you think will help the coach uh, determine whether this is going to be a fruitful relationship or not? As I said, we all have our different levels of comfort with how much we want to reveal. Uh, I, I sometimes go all out, you know, I'm, I'm pretty comfortable not only talking about, uh, yes, I have this new pimple on my upper lip and it makes me very conscious when I'm talking in front of people uh, all the way to my parents are divorced or, you know, so I, I pretty much go all out, uh, but you need to be uh, comfortable with whatever you want to share. Um, and I'm going to expect the same confidentiality from this group <laughs> in terms of what I've shared. Don't go about telling everyone about my pimple, please. All right. <laughs> okay. Um, I'm now coming to the last, and I realize I'm already overstepping the time limit a bit, but I'm coming to the last topic now, which is measuring coaching impact. And I'm going to say there are five levels of measurements that you might want to look into very consciously. Now it's already happening subconsciously, but now you need to look at this a little more consciously every now and again to see, is this coaching impactful enough for me or not? And the first level is just plain satisfaction. How satisfied are you feeling with the interactions? Yeah, so just consciously think about that question for yourself. Uh, how, how satisfied am I? Am I left with a feeling of, mm, I didn't get much out of that meeting actually. Uh, then, you know, maybe put a score for yourself, some rating of one to five where you can, uh, put down how you felt after that particular meeting. You are not expected to remember at the end of every meeting that score, right? So do put it down at the end of every meeting. Otherwise, after five meetings, you won't know what that score was. Um, and there is the recency effect. So if the fifth meeting was really bad, then you'll forget if, that the first two or three meetings were good, right? Um, the second level is learning. Can you actually note down what you have learned about yourself or about others, or about relationships, anything, you know, the six uh, topics that we talked about. Uh, can you actually put that down? Then you know that coaching has been impactful. Yeah, so that's a second level of, uh, of um, uh, checking for impact of the coaching. The third level would be implementation. Uh, implementation basically means that if you have uh, discussed something in coaching, and you've discussed an action plan, are you able to follow through on that action plan? Uh, and if you are, then that's a huge sign of coaching working for you, okay? So implementation is the third level. And these are levels in order of, uh, you know, of grading, which is uh, the higher the level, the better coaching is working for you. The fourth level would be business impact. Now we're getting more into the quantitative side of things. So if you are, as a client, entrusted with higher responsibilities or are able to take on more, even if you're not working in an organization, then, uh, then that's probably something that's uh, you know, adding value to, to you uh, from your coaching relationship. Yeah? So that's business impact. And we come to the fifth level, 
which is ROI, which is very quantitative, which is return on investment. And here you're actually going to measure, has my salary increased? Has, uh, has my, have my investments increased? Have, you know, has, quantitatively, can I say that thanks to coaching, uh, I have been able to make more money as plain and simple as that, okay? Even promotions come into this particular category, okay? So, uh, so these are the five levels to measure coaching impact. I'm hoping that was useful for you. Uh, and at this point, I'm gonna stop talking uh, because these are the four topics that I thought I would, would make sense and would be useful for you to uh, learn from. And we can open up to question answers. Sinjaja, sorry for stepping over the time a bit. But Absolutely uh, not, Lalana. I think uh, I've also learned so much uh, over the past few months talking to you about coaching. So I'm glad you took out the time and, you know, took us through the main themes. But uh, yes, you're right. There are a lot of questions on the chat box. So we will move to that now. Yeah. Vaidehi, um, uh, could you please unmute yourself and ask your question? I think she's asked a very, very relevant and FAQ sort of a question. Hi, Lilana. Thank you so much for this information. Um, I just wanted to understand the basic similarities and dissimilarities between coaching and therapy. Sure. Fair enough. Yeah. Uh, good question. And in fact, uh, Sindhuja is going to share some material on this. And I've actually put a table which talks about the difference between coaching and therapy. But let me, uh, let me go into this myself right now. Uh, so... Coaching, typically the topics you'd bring to coaching would be uh, around work-related, career-related, uh, you know, questions or issues or problems, anything of that sort. Um, and of course, in therapy, it would be more personal issues, uh, you know, something to do with childhood, something to do with a personality. Uh, it, it may not always be a problem. So I don't believe people, again, similar to coaching, you don't have to go for therapy only when you have a problem. Uh, it just could be you want to get out of a pattern of thinking or beliefs, etc. And that's where therapy helps. Incidentally, just to let you know, I'm also training to be a therapist. Many coaches would be training to be therapists as well. Uh, but it, we have a strict code of conduct of not mixing the two. So uh, the therapy, if, if a client needs therapy in the process of coaching, it's not like a coach can just easily switch over to being a therapist and say, okay, now I'll be a therapist, right? Uh, there has to be a new contract, not a written contract, but at least an oral contract, an agreement to say that I am now going to go deeper into your childhood, uh, you know, more personal issues, uh, so that we can talk about this. And are you okay? Most likely a coach will not even agree to be a therapist for the same client, even if he or she is trained to be a therapist, uh, because this is one of the rules. But a coach can inform you when you need therapy instead of coaching, all right? Um, the, the relationships that uh, you would deal with in a coaching conversation are typically colleagues, bosses, business associates, et cetera. Whereas the relationships you'd discuss in therapy sessions would be with family members, spouses, partners, you know, intimate, more intimate relations. Um, but not to say that therapy does not involve discussions around work relations as well, all right? Uh, I would say coaching becomes a little bit of a subset of therapy. Therapy is a little more uh, overarching, but that doesn't mean that a therapist will be a great coach, okay? Because uh, they, we are trained differently to be a therapist and to be a coach. You might need both. There, were, there was definitely a time in my life where I was going to a coach separately, to a therapist separately, and a mentor separately. So all three were being covered, right? 
Um, the, uh, a coach will resolve more current issues, whereas a therapist will go deep into your past and bring out a lot of uh, issues from the past as well. Um, what coaching requires is that you share, again, openly, uh, as much information as you can about your current situation. Um, and it'll, in, it will invite you to introspect on thoughts, patterns, and beliefs. Whereas therapy requires you to share past personal information uh, and perhaps delving more into uncomfortable areas of, uh, of your relationships as well. Yeah. Uh, so yes, you, you definitely need very different training, different mindsets for coaching and therapy. Uh, a good coach will guide you as to when you need to go for therapy, as will a good therapist. Vaidehi, have I answered your question uh, satisfactorily? Yeah, you have. Thank you so much. That makes a lot of sense and that really clarifies a lot of doubts for me. Great. Thank you. Okay. So let's move to Mansi's question. Mansi, could you please unmute yourself and ask your question? Hi, good morning. Hi, Lalana. Thank you for being so super crisp and on point. Uh, I think, uh, I mean, after my question also, you went on and just sort of give me a gist of what I wanted to look for in an answer. But uh, my question is coming from a point, uh, like, uh, I feel that probably not just myself, a lot, a lot of people out there who are not really sure what they're getting into. Uh, they just uh, think of coaching or therapy as a fancy word and they would just want to try it out. But uh, for those guys, uh, what are the practical point of self-evaluation to ask the questions to self to understand whether they do need coaching or need something else? So it could just well be a smaller problem that they're trying to, that is getting a little overarching in other themes of life. Yeah. But how do you really get to that point? Sure. Um, good question, Mansi. And I honestly don't have a very definite answer for this, but a good question to ask yourself is, um, if I get into coaching, what would I like to see changing for me? Okay, at the end of the coaching, what will make me think that coaching has helped me? That would be a good question to ask yourself. Um, just to give you an example, uh, and I'm again, I'm going to share a little bit of personal information here. So I went to a therapist. And uh, the first question the therapist asked me, and it's gonna be very similar to coaching here, is uh, what will make you think that therapy has been successful for you? Okay. And uh, I said, I'll be happier. She says, how will you measure that? How will you measure your happiness, right? So what makes you think that, okay, I'm happier now than when I started therapy? So that really made me think, okay, what, what would make me measure my happiness? So then eventually it came to a point where it wasn't about happiness or anything of the sort. It's that I eventually said, I want to be able to make a decision about this particular aspect in my life, okay? Uh, and I want to be able to decide, should I or shouldn't I? That was it, okay? And she said, okay. So are we saying that at the end of therapy, you will have made a decision, not followed through on the decision, but at least made the decision, right? And that helped. Uh, so this is what most coaches would start off with as well. What is it that you're expecting from this coaching relationship? Uh, what would make you believe that it has been successful for you? Hmm? Uh, having said that, Mansi, I'm also going to say that many people come into coaching just to clear their thoughts. And that's okay as well, okay? You may not need many sessions to do that. As I said, you might just need one or two maximum sessions to just clear your thoughts uh, and, uh, and then be, be prepared for that, right? 
And you might find at the end of it that maybe I don't need coaching after all, all right? Which is also fine. Um, however, if you go into it and, uh, and go into it with openness, what I've found is that most of us will find something that yeah. we want coaching on, yeah? There's always something. It's just, you just need to be open to discovering that about yourself. Right. Have I answered your question, Mansi? Yeah, I think so. I think eventually, I think just even if you're clouded and you're thinking it's all right to just go for two, three sessions, you might exactly. just stumble upon something that you're not unaware of. It's Got it. Yeah. Thank you. Sure. Thanks, Lalana. We'll move to Chandni's question. Chandni, could you please unmute yourself and ask your question? Yeah, sure. Hi. Hi, Lalana. So uh, my question is whether coaching also works in a very ambiguous uh, sort of scenario wherein one doesn't know what one's purpose is. So the goal I have in mind is also very unclear. Mm -hmm. So what kind of structure will this exercise bring in uh, to me finding that goal? Because majority of the work has to be done by me in the process, very clearly. So how does one kind of go about that? Uh, because then it definitely won't happen in one session for sure, right? Uh, that's what I imagine. I won't be able to find my purpose in one session, right? Or get, see that impact or, you know, figure out whether it's working for me. So how does one approach coaching with that end goal in mind? Good, Chani. In fact, this is fairly straightforward because your goal now is to uh, articulate your goal. Yeah. Right. Uh, yeah. And that's actually a fairly straightforward goal to go into coaching with, to say, I want to discover what my goal is, what my purpose in life is, and I would like, you know, help with that. Um, and again, the coach will approach this with uh, questions, will, will help you uh, go deep within yourself. Uh, when it comes to discovering your goal, there are a few tools that coaches do use uh, to help you discover the purpose, to help you find out intrinsically what do you connect with most. And there is always the strengths finder, which is a very, very important instrument to help you discover uh, what you're good at, what you're interested in, and therefore what your goal is. Chani, um, uh, you'd be surprised uh, at how, uh, in fact, the most common co issue that people come to coaching with is, I don't know what my goal is, okay? Uh, and and it's, uh, I'm not saying it's easy to resolve, definitely nothing is. And in, to your question of how many sessions it might take, Again, it could happen in one session. It really could. It, I've seen it happen. Uh, or it could take five, six sessions. It, it could be anything. Yeah? So you'd have to be ready to uh, see how it goes in the first session. That will give you a clue as to uh, by when you might reach uh, the conclusion of this uh, coaching engagement. Uh, you still look a little confused though. Chani. Yes, because I have a follow-up question there. Because here specifically, we know that the coach would end up using some tools. Yeah. Right? Uh, again, then that would depend on the person's style. Uh, so every coach would have their own set of tools that they would use. And maybe somewhere down the line, the tool and the process is not working. So it becomes sure. that much more difficult for me to choose the right kind of coach to just a, you know, just a chemistry session. So that's the dilemma I'm uh, essentially. Yeah, I don't have an easy answer to that because human relationships are complex and you know it's not going to be so easy to find that right match right away but the chemistry sessions do help a lot okay I've also found something about uh, something that I've learned for myself that uh, when I go into any conversation with an open mind uh, 
even the worst coach has helped me with something, okay? Uh, and, and there are no such thing as the worst coaches unless they're completely untrained and they're claiming to be uh, coaches without any kind of training or certification. Um, but uh, certification is not the most important. I would say training and experience is much more important. But yes, but again, the amazing thing about the same thing that makes human relationships so complex is also what makes them so rich uh, that if you go into any conversation with an open mind, you're going to learn quite a lot from even like a laborer on the road uh, as, as compared to a CEO or a chairman of a great company, okay? Uh, perhaps more from the, from the laborer on the road, okay? So the, the point here is don't see any conversation as time wasted. There's always something to, uh, to glean from any conversation that you have. Uh, the main thing you want to focus on is the styles, right? And are you connecting with that coach? Uh, so it is, I agree, it feels like, am I going to be kissing a lot of frogs before I find my prince? Uh, but it's, it's something that, uh, yes, you, you might want to invest a little bit of time in. Yeah. Thanks so much. Yeah, that helps. Okay. Nirupa, do you want to unmute yourself and ask your question? Yeah. Hey, hey, Lana. Um, so my question is, uh, you know, in your experience, have you seen any differences in, or do you recommend any differences in approach uh, for someone who is early in their career versus someone late in their career, uh, you know, when it comes to coaching? Yes, definitely. There will be a very, there will, there should be a difference in approach, not from the client, but from the coach. Uh, so the way the coach, uh, you know, takes up, uh, the coaching engagement with somebody who's early in their career versus somebody who is very senior uh, is, is again, you know, based on the coach's experience and their training. Uh, there will have to be a difference in approach. H having said that, the approach will be very different, especially in the beginning, but they do converge at certain points in the coaching conversation, because finally we are all human beings with the same kind of uh, belief system patterns, etc. And as I said, the coach is focusing um, more on the being aspect rather than the doing aspect. Uh, and eventually that's kind of similar, no matter where you are in your career. Um, I have been, you know, taken aback by people who are very much at the start of their career in terms of their thinking and maturity, which is far better than many people who are way advanced in the career because, and the reason is simple, because the people who've reached CEO have followed this very uh, straight and narrow path and hardly experienced that much on either side uh, and reached that CEO position. Whereas a lot of people who are freshers uh, might want to go much broader, experience a lot more of the world. Um, and that brings a richness of experience, which is unbeaten. Um, so, so I'm gonna say, you know, while I started off saying, of course, there's a difference in approach, it's more based on the person rather than what uh, stage of career they are in. Uh, so I'm taking that back. Uh, I, yeah, I retract that. And <laughs> it's going Got to be it. more about the individual. Yeah. yeah, so is there any anything that you would, uh, from the client side, but what I'm hearing is that from the client side, there is rarely any difference in the approach. It's yeah, quite, yeah, depends on the person. You're right, Nirupa. And, and if you're experiencing that the coach is being a little, uh, made, you know, a little more discounting just because you're in the start of your career, then then that's judgmental as uh, ju judgment, which is not right from a coach. Yeah, uh, the coach should be treating you the same no matter what level of career you're at. Got it. Thanks. Thanks. Thanks, thanks. so much. And thanks for making me think with that question. <laughs> it, it was helpful. Yes. Yeah. 
Excellent. Snigda, could you please unmute yourself and ask your question? Sure. Hi, Lalana. Uh, my question is, um, is your coach a mentor or a peer, especially with respect to accountability? And also what, in terms of a coaching relationship, uh, you know, when I'm working with, let's say, a business coach, so I would, you know, look up to that person as a mentor. Let's say when I'm working with a life coach, I'm thinking of that person more as a peer sharing life experiences with me. So what is an ideal? Is it a mentor, mentee, or is it a pure relationship? You know, that's very interesting. Now, that's one myth I left out of my list because I thought, let me see if it comes up. Uh, and the myth was the coach should be more experienced or older than me, uh, you know, if they're going to be my coach. So I can look up to them and listen to them. Uh, but there is a huge uh, school of research and writing on reverse mentoring, uh, you know, having coaches who are younger than you uh, and, and the flavor they bring to the coaching. The main thing you need from your coach is not whether you can look up to them or uh, see them as an equal. Uh, it's more whether they are able to enrich your own understanding of yourself and others and relationships and experiences, right? Um, so it really doesn't matter whether uh, you look up to them or you see them as an equal. Yes, at work. Now, when you talk about mentoring, definitely uh, with a mentor, you probably are looking at somebody who has been there longer, uh, done more than you, uh, in which case, yes, you're looking at not age-wise, but somebody who's more experienced than you. So if, if I've just joined a company, it's possible there might be somebody else in the company who's younger than me, but has been in the company or been in that role longer than me, in which case they can be my mentor. Hmm? Uh, a life coach uh, would not, again, does not have had to have, does not have, have, help me with this tense. Anyway, need not have had the same experiences as you, uh, but can definitely, uh, should be able to empathize, should be able to understand what you're going through uh, and really serve as a good uh, listening, uh, you know, a, a good listening ear for you so that they can help you see it from a different perspective or mirror it back to you, right? But they don't have had to have the same experience as you. Does that answer your question? That's interesting, reverse coaching. I think that's definitely like a myth that I was holding on to. So nice for sharing. Thank you for asking the question. Okay, I think Revati has a very nuanced question to ask. Revati, could you go ahead and ask it, please? Revati, you're on mute. Yeah, sorry, didn't realize that. Hi, good morning, everyone. Thank you, Lalana, for the session. Uh, so I actually had, a, I mean, actually had one more question, if I can just add uh, two questions, really. Uh, so one is, it's very interesting that you said, you know, pick your coach, not just based on their certification, but based on their training and experience. And you also brought up the story of, you know, how many fogs do I kiss before I find my prince? So uh, first question that I had is, is it common to sort of tell your coach that, you know, this is a chemistry session, I'm just going to try you out. I want to see how it feels and then, you know, sort of assess. Is that common? How do coaches sort of react to that? If you hear a client saying that, that's one. And the second thing, which is very key, I think you sort of addressed it a lot, is, of course, the confidentiality aspect. So given, so if it's given and assume that, you know, there is going to be that, that privilege and confidentiality, uh, what I'd like to know is in your experience, right, uh, how have you still broken 
uh, that you know guard which usually most clients have because if you're doing a coaching session you are at your probably vulnerable most vulnerable point right so and and people are guarded right because you are a stranger at the end of the day so as a coach how have you sort of managed to bring down the walls uh, sort of create that build that equation of trust and get them to say you know it's okay to share your deepest darkest fears and let me help you in that process sure so devati there were two questions you asked one was the chemistry sessions how uh, uh, how how common are they do coaches accept that um i i can't speak for all coaches but i know at least from the organization that i'm associated with navkati as well as leap club chemistry sessions are almost imperative even the coach should ask for them i would say right yeah. um and and it's a it's very important that there be that uh, half an hour 45 minute discussion free of charge no strings attached uh where the two people get to know each other and the coach has as much right to say it's not working uh not directly to the client of course that would be difficult for sure uh but to eventually inform the organization through which the chemistry session has been arranged that perhaps this person should look for another coach and uh, not because of any uh any uh lack from either side but more because the chemistry wasn't right right um so it is becoming the norm uh, having said that there could be coaches out there who refuse to uh, who who say that i know i'm good and i know you're going to get value from uh, our coaching engagement so you don't need the chemistry session please just trust me and go with it it's up to you of course if you feel that yes you think uh, you know you don't need a chemistry session you could go ahead and start the coaching engagement with that coach um i personally feel chemistry sessions are of huge value uh, and and they're becoming more of the norm especially if you're going uh, if it's being arranged through a third party right if it's direct then perhaps uh, people might feel a little more resistant to even asking for a chemistry session uh, but uh, having said that many of my direct clients have asked uh, can we just have one conversation where we get to know each other and then decide i'm very happy to do that yeah. okay. uh, so that's the answer to your first question the second question about confidentiality and uh, how do i break the barriers of uh, so there are two ways of course one is as i said no judgment right so whenever any bit of information comes out uh if i'm going to look like oh is that what happened and obviously then that's going to create uh further barrier and the person will say okay maybe she's not ready to hear this from me yet so lack of judgment is very very important to break those barriers and the second thing is a little bit of uh revealing things about yourself right if i'm sharing something to, with you uh which uh, which i know is going to be a little uncomfortable for me to reveal um then you're more likely to uh share something about you so personal disclosure does help a lot in uh, breaking some of those barriers yeah? okay thank you for your question yeah okay. yes thank you so just just if i've understood correctly yeah. it's fairly common to actually do try out these different you know chemistry sessions with the different coaches yeah. see yeah. see what fits for you before you delve into that whole process right yeah you know again as i said with human relationships there is there is a there is a certain dynamic that comes in and especially yes. if somebody is very highly qualified and stuff and you have a chemistry <laughs> with that person uh there might be a tendency to say that oh she's so good or he's so good i i should like this person and i should go ahead with the coaching 
but no be true to yourself and have confidence in yourself it's okay to have as many chemistry sessions as you want uh, and then perhaps go back to the first coach that you had the chemistry yeah. session with it's absolutely fine to do that yeah okay great thank you lalana Great, Sarah. Could you please unmute yourself and ask your question? Hey, morning, everyone. I'll just quickly check what I asked. <laughs> um, all right. Yeah, this is interesting uh, because uh, after how many sessions is it sensible to gauge the impact of the coaching that I've been having? Yeah, good question. I think. Um, I, I mean, I again don't have a definite answer to this. Try it after the first session, not the chemistry session, but the first session itself, right? And uh, then try it at regular intervals. It doesn't make sense to do it after every session, perhaps, though some people would. I, it doesn't matter. But uh, normally, what I've done with organizations where I've, you know, where I've been a third-party coach kind of thing, um, it's is get the sponsor to. Uh, get like an HR person to do the evaluation uh, after every three or six sessions, depends on how much you've signed up for. So maybe a halfway point and then at the end of the coaching engagement. Yeah, mm -hmm. um, okay. but really no, no definite answer to that. Sarah. I hope that's <laughs> Yeah, that's fine. And it's always a question mark. Like, did yeah. you get what you were looking for? You're right. Just one thing about yeah. those chemistry classes, because you were just talking about it. Um, won't everyone be at their best uh, presentation <laughs> when they're having the chemistry class? How do you uh, how do you gauge that? Yeah, yeah, you're right. Uh, it is tricky. That's why I said it's a bit like an interview, right? Obviously, the person yeah. that you're interviewing is going to put their best foot forward, only talk about their successes and uh, never their failures. But this is a very useful question because in a chemistry session it's a good idea to ask two open-ended questions, right? One is like, um, how have you dealt with uh, clients in the past? Can you give me an example of a client who has come in with a similar need as mine and what approach have you taken? But to also ask a failure question. So can you tell me about a time where uh, you, you know, a coaching engagement en ended before uh, its number of sessions and what happened there? Uh, if you if you can share with me now this is not i know it's it's a hard question to ask because it's almost like you're saying tell me about your failures kind of thing um but uh, you're not again don't judge the coach just because he or she is talking about a failure what you really want to see is what approach did they take and maybe it didn't work for that other person but maybe it could still work for me right so focus more on the actions part of that question rather than the end result that sure the coaching engagement failed and that can happen with any kind of relationship right but um, did did the coach at least do whatever you think is uh, is what a coach what you would like your coach to do hmm? um and i can see more and more a lot of questions around chemistry sessions and how do you evaluate uh, i i'm going to say more than anything else uh, pay attention to your own feelings and thoughts during the chemistry session. Be confident that you're allowed to feel whatever you're feeling, okay? Uh, if you feel even the slightest bit of discomfort, uh, make note of it, it's important. 
and, uh, and, and see whether it comes up in other chemistry sessions or not. Um, and you are right, it's, it's like uh, speed dating, everyone's going to put their best foot forward. Uh, so you, you still need to ask good questions that will allow for nuances to appear. Yeah. Lovely, thank you so much. Great, so we're almost at the time, but we will take the rest of the questions in the chat box. Ankita, do you want to unmute yourself and ask your question? Oh, sure, good morning, everyone. Uh, very quickly, Lana, I don't think it's going to take you too much time to answer this one, but the question is simple. So when we are in the process of coaching and uh, um, the process usually, uh, as you mentioned, is about asking questions and asking the right questions from the client. So um, do the coaches also, um, you know, kind of tell you when you're thinking not the right way or you're saying, okay, I'm now going to do this. So will the coach ask another question to direct you in a different direction or will the coach tell you outrightly listen now hold on and think the other way something of that sort yeah um either of the approaches might be used initially the coach needs to ask questions the first one or two sessions are going to be spent in you and the coach getting to know each other and each other's styles a little better um, and if the coach feels you're going down the wrong path First of all, that would be a judgment again, right? The path is only wrong if it doesn't work for you. Uh, and sometimes you have to try it in order to discover that it doesn't work for you. But if it hasn't worked for the coach in the past, then he or she cannot decide that it's not going to work for you, okay? So uh, a coach, a good coach will ask uh, neutral open-ended questions to discover, one, have you tried it before? Two, have you considered the pros and cons of what you're planning to do? Uh, carefully. Uh, and three, what, what steps are you taking to ensure that you're mitigating any of the cons that might come up, right? Um, after all of that, if the coach feels that you're just going down this path because you're just stuck on it and there's, you're not seeing the other side, yes, gently the coach will have to show you the mirror saying that, look, you mentioned all these things as the cons. I'm not sure if you've given them the due worth and maybe help you do a scoring system with that, etc. right? Um, but again, it's just, uh, it's only a gentle nudge. The coach cannot say, are you mad? Are you you're thinking of doing this? No way is it going to work for you. Okay, because that's, uh, that's not, uh, that's not necessarily true. Some of the craziest options have worked for some people, uh, and may not have worked for others, right? So, um, and eventually, uh, just so all of you know, the coach is not a teacher. The coach is not going to come in the next session and say, or not supposed to say, uh, did you do everything we agreed on last time? Okay, because if, if that's what the coach is doing, then he or she is not respecting the fact that you are a different individual and different things happen to you as compared to what's happening to the coach. Okay, um, it's, it's going to be more like the coach will ask you, did you try anything? And did anything work? And if it didn't work, what happened, right? Uh, and that's why the coach cannot very definitively tell you this will work and this won't work, okay? It's very different for each person. Does that answer your question, Ankita? Yes, it helps, thank you. Okay. Thank you. Sukriti, do you want to unmute yourself and ask your question? Yeah, hi. Um... I had a simple question. Is there a difference between a business coach and a life coach? Um, good question. I 
the training is more or less the same. Uh, there, there could be more uh, nuanced uh, courses that a life coach might uh, take. It's definitely a larger uh, subset. I'm, uh, business coach is a subset of life coach is what I would say. Um, however, of course, the focus would also be very different. So a business coach will focus more on business related aspects uh, of the conversation. A life coach will go a little bit more into the personal space as well, obviously look into time management, look into work-life balance, all of that is what a life coach would do. Uh, having said that, the training for both kinds of coaching is similar. Uh, therapy is still different from a life coach. So I'm sure some of you might be wondering, is life coach the same as therapy? No, it's not. Uh, life coaching focuses on uh, topics like, as I said, work-life balance, time management, uh, perhaps uh, how to handle two aspects of my life uh, in, a, in a more balanced manner, which is relationships at work and relationships at home. Uh, a business coach sometimes will foray into that as well if the need comes up, that if, if the client says that with my boss, I seem to have this very strange relationship, but uh, with, with my previous boss, uh, it was perfectly fine. And there we might have to go a little bit into saying, do you see your current boss as some sort of father figure or something like that? So it goes a little bit into the personal side as well. But, um, but therapy is completely different. Therapy requires you to bring up many incidents from your past, uh, uncomfortable incidents, et cetera, uh, which a life coach also won't do necessarily. Yeah. Okay. So I hope that's uh, answered your question, Sakriti. Yes, thank you so much. Folks, Lalana has been kind enough to give us five, 10 extra minutes as buffer. So we will finish the questions on the chat box. Juhi, I assumed your question has already been answered, but if you have any follow-up, please feel free to go ahead and ask. Actually, I do. So my question is, uh, is actually on goals, but I think uh, earlier when we spoke about goals, it was from a larger perspective on what my life goals are or what my goals are in terms of my career. Uh, uh, my question, question is a little bit different. I am struggling with, uh, with trying to define a goal for my coaching sessions. Hmm. So I have signed up for coaching already. And, you know, I've been going back and forth, uh, trying to figure out what my goal uh, for my coaching sessions should be. Mm. Uh, so, so is it okay to not have a goal and be a little bit ambiguous? Should I force myself to set a goal? What do you suggest? So um, my question, if I were your coach, would be what, what are you expecting from the coaching session then? If you, know, if you don't have a goal uh, which you, for the coaching session, why did you sign up for coaching? And you don't have to answer that question over here, um, but it's, um, this is where I would say that um, maybe before signing on for coaching at all, you do have some more chemistry sessions. I know you can't have more chemistry sessions with the same coach, uh, but uh, it, it might be useful to, uh, maybe even talk to somebody at Leap Club, you know, to say, uh, should I, uh, how do I approach this coaching engagement? 
considering I still don't have a, a goal uh, for what I want from the coaching, right? Um, it is going to be trickier, Juhi, to uh, get to anything if you don't have a goal from the coaching sessions. Uh, and if you can't come to it in the first session or two, then it's just eventually gonna feel like a waste of time. Uh, that does happen. Uh, so yeah, so this is tricky, Juhi. It, it might be useful to talk to a friend even, to talk to uh, somebody at work, uh, or as I mentioned, somebody at Leap Club to uh, just try and find out what do you want from the coaching sessions. Mm -hmm. Okay, okay, thanks a ton. I know I probably left you a little more confused than before, but, <laughs> but yeah, I uh, think about it a little bit. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yes, thank you. Sure. Thanks, Lalana. Hina, do you want to unmute yourself and ask your question? I think Hina said goodbye and left, no? I saw some uh, message pop up. Yeah, she said thank you. Um, oh, okay. <laughs> let me go ahead and ask her question. So Hina's asked, is it a myth that people get addicted to coaching? What should we do to avoid it? It's not a myth. People do get addicted to coaching. As I said, when you find somebody non-judgmental, neutral, who's willing to listen to you and not, uh, not making you feel small, uh, in fact, making you feel pretty good about yourself, uh, it's, it's very tempting to keep having that relationship going, obviously, with any relationship, you know, if it's making you feel good about yourself, why wouldn't you want to keep going? And if you have the money, then sure, keep paying for it. Uh, I know it's beginning to sound like another profession uh, that, uh, that some might be thinking of, but uh, it's, it, it, it is addictive. And I know I almost got addicted to my therapist because uh, after 12 sessions, even after I've taken my decision, my big decision, uh, I said, can I still come and see you? And she says, it's not a good idea to keep this going endlessly uh, because one of the, uh, the objectives of coaching and therapy is to make you self-sufficient, is to make you self-reliable as well, right? So you should be able to now continue on your own uh, and come up with your own answers and solutions, right? So uh, yeah, so if a, if a coach makes you addicted, that's also dangerous. Um, the coach should gently wean you off as well. Um, but of course it is, it is addictive, so it's not a myth, yeah. All right, okay. So uh, thank you so much, Lalana. I think this was super insightful for all of us. And it has been a pleasure starting all our weekends with this conversation. And I think lots to go back and think about. Members, thank you so much for being an amazing and engaged audience as always. We'll see you at the next one very, very soon.